we're in the second Sunday of Advent, and uh, we talked last week that the, the, the definition of Advent is this. It's the arrival of and the coming into of a new season. And uh, it's difficult for us to, to kind of grasp that, but that is, that is Christmas, right? That it's the already but not yet. It's the fact that like, we're, we're preparing for something to come, and yet it's already happened. Uh, we, Christ with us, the hope of glory. And uh, as we're preparing, you know, you got 15 more days of shopping till Christmas. And uh, tis the season for Christmas trees and decorating and Christmas shopping and Christmas parties and Christmas parties and hosting people. And it gets a little frantic. It gets a little distracted. It gets a little stressful um, during this time. How many of you guys are going to be hosting someone or having people over to your house? Anyone for, for Christmas, the, the, the time around Christmas? Um, I, I saw this video I'm going to show you in just a moment, and um, it, it, it absolutely cracked me up because I think it's a little bit too close to reality um, of, of what it looks like in, for many of us as we prepare for someone to come over to our house. Whether that's Christmas or any other time of the year when you've got people coming over, there's all of a sudden this expectation that your house actually looks different than it normally does, right? You understand what I'm talking about? Go ahead and roll the video. Hey, hey, listen. Company will be here in six hours. We need to make this place look like a hospital in here. Clean it up. Flush these pillows. Where's, I need every candle lit. Every candle house. Timmy, go light every candle in the house. I need it smell like Joanna Gaines' closet in here. Come on. Did a bomb go off in here? So you're friends with the Tasmanian devil? that hard. There? Right there. Yeah? Nope. That's not, that's not even at all. What's wrong with your hair? Heck, you, cut your brother's hair. Uh, figure it out. Do these dishes unless you want stitches. This is really your best effort. Well, try it again. Do it again. Do it better. Oh, so we just leave cabinets open now, huh? How about just like your mouths, we shut it. Come here. Come here right now. Look at this. Look at that. Hmm? Is that spotless to you? I said spotless. There goes your Fortnite. I said fluff the pillows. Does this look fluff to you? Fluff it! I'm raising a barn animal. What? Well, that's good to know. I would love to hear the explanation why the chicken hasn't been set out. And why it's still frozen. Okay, I'm gonna beat you over the head with this. Oh, it's hot in here. Your cousins will be here in under an hour, and this place is a wreck! Now, I would love to hear the explanation why I didn't clean the attic. Oh, this should be good. Oh my gosh, look! Look at the driveway! I specifically told you to vacuum the driveway! Fix the blinds now. If you don't clean this toilet properly, I will literally give you a swirly. This is the dustiest house I've ever seen. I need you to go in every room of the house, take every photo off the wall of every house, and dust behind it. Because I said it's dusty. Because I said so. It doesn't smell good enough. You know what? I'll just do it. No, 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 it's fine. I'll do it. I'm happy to. I'll just do it. Since you guys don't, since you, no, since you just want to sit around. If you think having a room this dirty is an option, you're getting put up for adoption. Fix it. Did you guys not dust the light bulbs? There's dust all over all of the light bulbs. What are we doing? Company's coming tonight. No one poops until then. Got it? <laughs> Hold it. We're throwing this away. It looks terrible. Help me move it. We're throwing it away. <laughs> you know what? I'll just do it myself. Smile for the camera. I'm gonna take a photo and put you guys on Facebook Marketplace. I'm, I'm done. I am really done. Okay. I guess I'll look up an Airbnb. Because we can't do this here. No, this, I, a hobo wouldn't want to be here. All right, this is, this is going to have to do. I try and try, but they're going to be here any minute. So this will have to... 
<laughs> oh. Some of you are laughing and some of you are really quiet. <laughs> like really quiet. Um, some of you are like, yeah, that was like, that was my childhood. That was, and some of you are thinking that was my Saturday. Uh, getting ready. It's a little bit too close to home. Um, I was thinking about this and as I was preparing this week, we're talking about Advent and, and, pre- and preparation and, and getting ready for Christmas. I, I thought, what would it look like if, if I told you that Jesus Christ, like Jesus incarnate, was going to be coming to your house for, for dinner, like after church? What would it look like for you? Would you respond a little bit like, like the video? Like, would you think, okay, I got I to gotta make sure that I get everything ready? And, and it's this question that's been rolling around in me about, uh, about preparation. What does it look like to prepare for a visitation? What does it look like to prepare for an encounter with God or a deeper walk with him? Um, the Lord gave me these, these two words for 2018, preparation and acceleration. And we've been talking over the course of this year about really about both of those words and about preparation. What does it look to prepare? But I think it's really important for us to understand if we don't, if we don't have understanding, then we can think that preparation, spiritually speaking, looks a lot like that, Right? That, that preparation can look a lot like, I just need to get my, my junk in order, I need to like sweep things, I need, to, I need to get things cleaned up, I need to start doing things that I've been meaning to do and not doing things that, that I shouldn't be doing, I need to get my life cleaned up. Why? Because that, that's what preparation means, that I just need to GCD, I need to start doing things so that I'm prepared. Um, and uh, as we're heading into a new season, just even a new year of 2019, and, and what, I, what I feel like is a, a new season for even for our church at New Life, it's important for us. I was reading in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 where it talks about the men of Issachar, that they understood the times that they were in and not just understood the times, but understood what they were supposed to be doing because of the time that they were in. I think that in, in today's age, we have a lot of people that, um, you know, making YouTube videos about things of like showing us how this is why this is the time that we're in, or because of Revelation, this is the time that we're in, our time's getting shorter. But very few people are saying this is what we're supposed to be doing because of the time that we're in. How are we supposed to start acting? What are we supposed to start doing because of the time that we find ourselves? So, as we get into this today, if you find that you are sensing like God calling you into something new, and for some of you, you're like, yeah, I, I've been in this place of like kind of a, a holding pattern, and I feel like the Lord is launching me into something new, and I don't really know what that looks like, but I've been getting this idea on the inside of me about preparation, and I've been a little confused about what that looks like. I think it's important for us to process this, of what it looks like to prepare for the advent of what it, what it is that God is calling you into. Because what I've found in my life is that my expectation of preparation can look a whole lot different than God's expectation of preparation. Uh, there's, a, there's a story in Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can start turning to it. But it's a story that, quite honestly, I've heard preached a lot of times. And when the Lord brought me to it this week, I was like, really? This, this one? Like, it's five verses, and it's about these two sisters that have a dinner party with Jesus, um, Mary and Martha. And, uh, and you've probably heard it before, maybe heard a sermon, you've read it. It's, it's not a long story. It's, it's actually very, very, very short. But um, I believe that as we walk through this, I said, Lord, if you're going to have me preach this, you're going to have to show me something new in this. But I, and I truly believe that as we walk through this, there, there will be things that you can glean 
about what it looks like to prepare for the season that God's calling you into. If you feel like there's a change on the horizon, this is, there, there's so many things that we can learn from this, from this one scripture. Why don't you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word together? Um, we'll start in Luke chapter 10. It's five verses starting out in verse 38. Let's read it. He says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the, Lord's ta- at, the, at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care about that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord Jesus, I truly believe that your word is life, that, it, that your word is enough for us to, 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 to live our lives according to it. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us, that the, the words on this page would, would come alive to us, that they would quicken our spirits and give us life and joy in the midst of whatever we're doing, in the midst of this season that we're in. So, Lord, speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, so as we just read this, and, and maybe you've read it before, and uh, here's the thing. Most of us can relate to one of these two sisters. Uh, it's either Martha or, or Mary. So let's just, with a show of hands, be loud and proud. Um, how many of you guys can say, yeah, I, I can relate to Martha? It's okay. You can relate to Martha, right? It's okay. You, you, this was you, uh, Thanksgiving, right? You, you've got a sister named Mary who's, who doesn't do anything, right? And, and you did all of it, right? Um, how many of you guys can say, I can relate to Mary? Raise your hand, nice and tall. It's okay. Be proud. You don't have to be ashamed. There you go. You relate to Mary. Um, if you're unsure, then you're Mary. <laughs> if you're like, I don't really know, you're Mary. Believe me. Martha knows who she is. I just want you to know that, okay? So if you're like, hey, I don't really know, I'm just, I don't really, you're Mary, okay? Uh, because Martha's very, very, very sure. And, and as we're, before we even get into this, I really want to, I want to come to Martha's defense. Because if I was going to relate to either one of these two, it would be Martha. Um, I, I find that, I, that, that I, can, I can, well, even on that video, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I said a couple of those things to my kids um, just even this week. You know, like I, I, I could definitely relate to Martha, but Martha tends to get a bad rap in this story. Whenever I hear it preached, it's always like, well, Martha's the bad one, Mary's the good one, so be like Mary, don't be like Martha, right? Like, in other words, like, quit your job and just, just sit at Jesus' feet all day. That be like, don't be like Martha, because she's all worried about work. Be like Mary. In other words, like, you know, don't serve anymore, just, just sit at the feet of Jesus. But, okay, check this out, verse 38. just want you to take this in, because I'm sticking up for Martha. She's in heaven saying, thank you, Jesus and Justin. <laughs> As Jesus and Justin, she's thanking both of us. And verse 38, as Jesus, you're welcome, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, I don't know where, they're on their way, uh, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
How many of you know, let's just pause right there for a second, give Martha some props. How many of you know they wouldn't even be eating or have a place to stay if it weren't for who? Martha. Whose home was it? Mary didn't even have a home. Okay? Maybe she was living in Martha's basement, playing video games. I don't know what was going on in this situation, but I just want you to know I'm sticking up for Martha in here, probably because she's close to my heart. Like, this wouldn't have been happening, none of it, if it weren't for Martha and her hospitality. Can we just give her some props for her hospitality, right? Come on, that's a good thing, right? So she had the Son of God over to her house for dinner. It was her house. Okay, I'm going to move on. So it's important for you to realize something, that, that Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. She was, she was serving. She wasn't being sinful or evil. She was doing it, things out of a good heart. After all, when you invite somebody over to your house for dinner, it's probably usually customary to make them dinner, right? You're like, hey, come over to my house for dinner. Hope you brought something. Like, no, it's like, you don't do that, right? You, don't, you make them dinner. You make them feel comfortable. You get them some drinks. You, whatever you need to do to make them feel comfortable, this is what she's doing. So she's doing it out of a good heart. She's not being evil. She's making Jesus his favorite, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Like, it's right there. And so she's like, she's busy, and she's, she's getting things ready. And then in verse 39, it continues. It says, but she had a sister, a lazy sister, <laughs> called Mary. Just, just throwing some extra in there. It's okay. Who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I mean, how many of you know those ants in a log aren't going to make themselves? Right? Peanut, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches don't just appear, right? No, it takes hard work and sweat to be able to make these things. So it wasn't, I want you to catch this, it wasn't that, that Martha shouldn't have been doing what she was doing. She should have been cooking. It wasn't that she shouldn't have been back there making all of these grilled cheese and tomato sandwiches. Like, she should have been doing these things. This is the problem. This is probably the biggest takeaway of this whole thing. It was that she invited Jesus into her home and then became so busy preparing for Jesus to come that she was distracted while he was actually there. She was so busy, like, I can't wait for Jesus. He's going to come. I know he likes grilled cheese. I'm, gonna, I'm making all these things, and I'm getting everything going. That she was so busy preparing for Jesus to come that when he finally did come, she was absent. She wasn't there. He was actually in her home, and she was so preoccupied with other things. And maybe you feel that way this morning. If you've got small kids, I understand. My, my heart goes out to you. It took everything within you to get all of your family fully clothed this morning, right? <laughs> and in the car. And shut up, right? So, because why? Because we are worshiping the Lord, right? So you just, you get into this place. Like, I understand, and maybe you got in here today, maybe you came in late, that's okay, no judgment, but you, you, you got here, but you're still frantic, and you're still like, oh my gosh, just threw my kids into the kid zone, and got in here, and you're here, but you're not really here, right? Like, it took you three songs in before you're like, okay, Jesus, let's do this thing, right? I'm here. You're welcome, right? <laughs> like, we get into this place, though, where we prepare so hard to get someplace, and then we find that we're not really there or we're absent in the moment that we've been preparing for. It happens spiritually. It happens at, what, Thanksgiving? You're, you're about ready to experience this at Christmas. You know, you spend a month getting ready and getting all these presents, and within 20 minutes, all the presents are open and everyone's bored, Right? 
Like it goes so quick and all of a sudden you're like, I didn't even, I wasn't even in the moment, the 20 minutes that I've been preparing for and all of these things. And, and that's what we find ourselves. It's really kind of what, what, what I see with, with Martha. She's just distracted. That's the word of God. It says that she was distracted about many things. So the word distracted, looked it up. This is what it means. It means to be drawn away from and not just preoccupied, but overoccupied. To, so it's, to, to, if you're distracted, you're drawn away from something and you're not just preoccupied, you're overoccupied, which means that you're preoccupied is, is just worry. Overoccupied is like preoccupied on steroids. It's like, no, I really am doing too much. I literally have said yes to too many things and I'm not just preoccupied or worried about things. I'm legit overoccupied. Like I've got so many things going on and I can't keep them all going and I can't keep everyone happy and I don't know when I'm gonna get my mother-in-law and like, you know, all these different things. You, come on, it's, the struggle's real. And you get into this place where you, where you find like, man, I, I, I'm literally distracted by all the many things that are going on. And we tried so hard to prepare for something that we're absent in the moment of it. Amen? You get that? That distraction is one of the greatest hindrances to being present. And it also makes us oblivious to the presence of God. I think distraction is one of those things that like is, is, is a huge culprit in, in our world today. That we're, we're sitting, you know, I'm, I'm talking with you, but I'm also on Pinterest. Like, I, we're having a conversation, but I'm, I'm also looking things up, and I'm, I'm just playing a game. Like, distraction is one of the greatest hindrances to just being present and also being oblivious to the presence of God. So your first thing in your notes is this. Distraction can make us so busy preparing for a visitation that we miss the visitation. Distraction can make us so busy trying to prepare for a visitation, that we miss the visitation. So Martha is doing the right thing. She just stepped out of the joy. You catch it? She's, she's doing everything that she should be doing. She just, she's lost her purpose. She's lost the joy of why she's doing what she's doing. Did you catch that? And see, before I even read verse 40, let me just preface this. It's only five verses, so you got to read into it a little bit, but go with me here. I think that before she comes in and says verse 40, that you could hear her in the kitchen. Because you've been there. When you're the only person cooking, everybody else is just lazy watching football. You know what I'm talking about? And you're just in there, what are you doing? You're just taking some pots and pans, you're just bang, bang, bang. You're just taking cupboards, you're just like slamming them, kicking them shut. You're just stomping around, oh, it must be nice. Must be nice for everybody else to be, right? You, come on, you've been there. I think, I think that her presence and where she was and the space that she was in, was people were well aware where Martha was and that she was all alone. People were probably thinking it's better off. Just let her stay in there can we lock the door, right? You know what I mean? Like she's just in there doing her own thing. And then in verse 40, this is how I know. Look at her attitude. Her attitude of how she addresses her house guest, the, the, the man who she invited over for dinner, and who also happens to be, let's not forget this, the Messiah of the world. This is what she says in verse 40. She came to him and asked, now, you got to purse your lips when you do it. you got to say it like this. Lord? When you're really mad and you don't want to show it, you're trying to be kind, you're like, Lord? 
You get real short like that and you say, don't you care? You don't move your mouth much. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You been there? You get that whole thing? I, honestly, I don't see how this could have been said any other way. I literally think this is how she said it. <laughs> Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of these things? Tell her, Jesus, Messiah of the world, tell her to help me. She literally interrupts Jesus. She just walks right in because she's so wrapped up in her things. She doesn't know what's going on. Jesus could have been like healing somebody, setting demons free. I don't know. And she's just like, Lord, tell my lazy bugs to get in there. Like she just starts yelling. She just, she starts demanding that Jesus starts doing things. And I think to myself as I read this, I'm like, Lord, how many times do I interrupt you because I have plans? I have expectations. I, I, have, I, have, I have expectations for how things should look. And so how many times do I interrupt you when you're not doing things that I think you should be doing? When, when, when my expectation of you is less than my experience of you? How many times have I done that and just walked, into, walked in and, and interrupted, God, what you're about? Because I've got expectations. And here's the thing, when you get burned out, and we say burned out a lot, right? When you get burned out, which essentially means this, that you're serving God without his presence, that's what burned out is. You're serving God without his presence. When you get burned out, you start looking for someone to blame because somebody needs to pay for the place that you're in. That's kind of where she was at. In your notes, it says this, when we try to serve God, Without his presence, we can become bitter with him and with his followers. When we get burned out, we start to become bitter with him and with his followers. And here's the thing, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and I, I promise I won't dwell on it too long, but if serving Jesus makes you difficult to live with, then there's something terribly wrong with your serving. If using your spiritual gifts doesn't bring encouragement to other people around you, then you're doing it wrong. You're not Christianing right. If being a Christian, until you get this, I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, if being a Christian makes people not want to be around you, you're not Christianing right. Okay, thank you. I can move on. Um, that, th and this is what's happening with Martha. She starts, because she's, she's serving Jesus without his presence, she starts to get bitter with Jesus how do I know this? She says, don't you care? Don't you care? And I can imagine Jesus being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, yes, I do care, Martha. I created the heavens and the earth, and you? Um, <laughs> actually, I'm actually on my way to Jerusalem to die for you, um, but thank you very much for the chicken salad, right? Like, whoa. She comes in hot, she comes in heavy, she just comes in and she's like, don't you care? Why? Because she was bitter at Jesus because he wasn't following her expectations. And what ends up happening is, is that she allows her expectations to ruin her experience with Jesus. Because she had all these expectations, when Jesus is finally there and he's not acting the way that she thinks that he should, all of a sudden now her experience with Jesus is completely ruined and she's not actually able to be there with him 
because he's not living up to the way that she thinks he should. So, not only was she bitter with God, but she was also bitter with his followers, which is kind of what happens also when you get burned out, when you start serving without his presence. Uh, She was bitter with one of his followers, in particular, her lazy kid sister. Right? Particularly, this was the one that she was most upset about. And what I find is that when we get burned out, when we find ourselves serving out of duty rather than heart, if, if we can't control God, then we use God to control others, which is essentially what Martha tries, tries to do. Would you tell my sister, right? Don't you care? Well, fine, if you do. If you do care, then you would tell my sister to get up and start doing some dishes, right? Why? That's her expectation. So she's upset at, at, at her sister, for, for not doing what she thinks she should be doing. And what I find is that distraction can often lead us to the arrogance of commanding God to do something. God, you need to do this. I know what you need to be up to. And sometimes we expect others to take up our own offenses. This is essentially what she's doing with Jesus. I know you've never done this. I've done it before. So this is what people do. Have you ever been in this place where you spend your time talking with a friend, trying to get them to take up an offense that you have with somebody else? No, I'll talk to this side of the room. (laughs) They're a bunch of liars. So here's the thing. Have you ever been there where you got a friend and you're like, did you hear what she did? Yeah, and you know what she meant by that? Well, I don't either, but I'll tell you what she did. And And then she did this, and she didn't even do this. Can you believe that? And what happens? Well, if you've got a good friend, a good friend will tell you that you're overreacting and that you're reading into the situation. And a good friend won't go ahead and pick up that stone and say, yeah, we're going to go kill him, right? Yeah. A good friend says, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm refusing to pick up your offense. That's your offense. And what, what ends up happening is we begin to hate people that are stable because they won't join our crazy. This is a good, this is a good message, Pastor Justin. Hallelujah. I'm going to get this and listen to it again on repeat. It's true, isn't it, though? I'll say it again. We begin to hate people who are stable because they won't join in our crazy. And it's so tempting for us. This is, what, this is essentially what Martha's doing to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Because if you do care, then you'll be telling her to do something. In other words, you should be mad at her. And I don't understand why you're not. Because when we serve Jesus without his presence, we become bitter with him and with the people around us. I mean, essentially, she's saying, Jesus, can't you see that I'm miserable in here? Like, can't, can't you hear me slamming pots and cupboards and, and, and just banging things around? Can you tell Mary to come in here and be miserable with me, please? Because if I'm going to be miserable, everybody should be. And we can actually begin to hate people because they won't join into it. Why? Because your next point says this, that distraction can convince us 
that our dysfunction is normal. Distraction can convince us that our dysfunction is normal because sometimes our dysfunction can convince us that the problem is not us. No, it can't be me. It's everyone else around me. It's all, it's all these people that are, that are screwing up. They're not doing what they should be doing. And see, Martha, Martha was the one who had the problem, but she thought Mary was the problem. Catch this? She didn't see it. She thought that her lazy kid sister was the problem in this whole situation. And, and if we're not careful, if we don't really kind of check our heart in this, the thought starts to creep into our minds that the problem with everybody is that nobody gets it but me. Like, I'm the only one who sees things clearly. And here's the problem, and I found this in my own life. Like, here, here's the problem. If, if, if every job ends up in termination, if every relationship ends up in ending, if every expectation is a letdown, then the common denominator is me. And many times, we find it much easier to point our finger at people that are close to us. Because let me tell you, there were a bunch of lazy people at this dinner, okay? It wasn't just Mary. There was Lazarus. There was all kinds of people that could have picked up and been like, hey, Martha, you sound like you're a little stressed out. Anything that I can do in here to help you? There was a whole bunch of people that could have done it. But who does she focus on? The person who's closest to her. Isn't that the truth? There's a whole bunch of people that could be picking up the slack and doing things and all that, but the one person that she's focused on in that entire room is her lazy kid sister. She should be in there too and doing things with her, right? It's so true that we end up becoming bitter with the people that are closest to us when our expectations don't measure up to what we're experiencing. Hmm. Because if, we, if we're not keeping the Lord close, then we end up falling into self-pity and thinking that our job is to be a critic of God and everybody else around us. And what I've found is that whenever I ask God to fix someone, you ever been there where you're like, would you just fix that person, Lord? Whatever that means, Jesus, let your, let your will be done, right? You want to smote them? Smote them then, right? Get it done, right? Have you ever been in this place where you ask, someone to fix, you ask God to fix someone? What I find in those moments is that God is all too focused on me. And I'm like, Lord, why are you looking at me? Quit look. Did you see her? Did you hear what she did to me? Did you, did you see what he's not doing? You should be focused on him because he's a hot mess. And like, I don't understand. I told you to fix him. And I don't understand why you're looking at me because I'm not the problem here, right? Like everybody else around me is the problem. And like you need, but Jesus is always focused on me. He's always focused on my heart. He's always focused on what it is that he's wanting to shift and to change in me. And I just, I just know that whenever I get to a place where I'm criticizing others and pitying myself because I'm overworked, I need to check my heart. It's never a good place to be, to be serving Jesus without his presence. Verse 41, Jesus says this to her, he says this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. Now, I sometimes wonder, like, what did this sound like? Like, <laughs> was he like, Martha, Martha, 
Martha, yeah, I don't think so. I think he was literally like, Martha, Martha, I just want to be with you. Like, I miss you. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Martha, Martha, your problem is not Mary. The thing you want me to fix is not really your problem. Martha, Martha, I'm the son of God. Martha, I can make my own lunch. Martha, ask these guys what I can do with five loaves of bread and two fish. Martha, I can make my own sandwich with leftovers. So I thank you for your preparation, but I just need you to know that, like, that's not necessarily what I've always called you to do. I came to your house because I wanted to be with you. That's the whole point why I'm here, because I want to spend time with you. So I think when he said, Martha, Martha, I think he just missed her. He just wanted to spend time with her. Why? Because what did he bring correction to? Did he say, you should stop working? No, somebody had to cook. They were hungry. He brought correction to her worry, to her over-occupation. And he says, you're worried and upset about many things. And isn't that the message for all of us? It's the many things in our life that, that, that start to stack up and, and start to worry and to bother us. It's the many things that can often overwhelm us. And we, we can focus and be like, no, it's Mary, and she's the one. If you, could just, if you could just fix her, if you could just tell her, get them and do this, then everything would be good. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not about that. I'm actually speaking to your preoccupation or your overoccupation. You're worried and upset about many things. And he's essentially saying, Martha, Martha, your expectation of Mary isn't the real problem. The real problem is your expectation of yourself. You've signed up to do things that I haven't asked you to do, and now you're, now you're upset with me because I'm not doing what you expect me to do. In your notes, it says that part of preparation is finding out what God's expectation is of you. Part of preparation is finding out what God's expectation is of you. So if you're preparing, if you feel like God's launching you into a new season or you're in this place where you're like, you know, I've been in a holding pattern. I feel like God's, you know, calling me into this. Or maybe for you, it's your first time here at church and you're like, I don't really know what's going on, but I feel like I'm, I'm wanting to, to I'm wanting more of this. I, I want to have this relationship with God that everyone's talking about. I don't know what, what that looks like. Here's the thing. We need to understand what, our, what God's expectation is of us. And he tells us here, right here in verse 42. He answers it for every single one of us. He says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. He's saying, Martha, Martha, don't let your serving of me get in the way of you being with me. Don't allow all of the busyness of things that you're doing get in the way of just being with me. Because Martha had nominated herself for things that, God, that Jesus hadn't asked her to do. And what I find is that sometimes the greatest source of my frustration with other people that are around me is really just my confusion of God's expectation of me. And I focus on other people and, I'm, and, I'm, and I get upset with, you're not doing and you should be and why aren't you and you can and why? But I'm really just confused 
about what it is that God is expecting of me. How many of you know that you've been burned out on doing things that Jesus never asked you to do? (laughs) You've been there. You've been there. You're like, I've been doing this for for 10 years, and, and, and I'm getting burned out on something that I know Jesus has never even asked me to do. And all the Marys in here are like, this is the best sermon ever. <laughs> but the Marthas in here, you're thinking, you know, I, I get into this place where I keep doing and doing and doing, and I lose Jesus' presence in the midst of my doing. In the midst of my serving, I'm not serving with his presence. I'm just doing things because they should get done. And I, and I have a good heart, and I want to see them done. But Jesus wants to simply be with us. And when we choose to serve with him, you start to see things differently. You start to see people around you differently and your own expectations differently because of him. Amen? Verse 42, let's finish it up. He says, Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. I want you to understand, and now this is for Mary's in here because I know I've, I, I relate to Martha. So like, I know I've been sticking up for her because she needs some, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm just saying, um, for those of you who are Mary's in here, I want you to know that Mary was not doing nothing. Because I think that Martha's read this and they're like, well, it must be nice to be Mary. Must be nice. Well, I'm not paying a mortgage. Not, must be nice. Uh, having a house there, you got to keep up and cook all these. It must be really nice. Just sit at the feet of Jesus, Right? must be really nice to just to be Mary. I just want you to understand something. Mary was not doing nothing. She's actually doing something. And Jesus says it's the most important thing is what she's doing. So my question is like, you know, as a Martha, okay, what is she doing then? Like, what, what is she doing that is like the best part, the better, and it's not going to be taken away from her? And this is what I was, as I was just praying through this, I was like, what, Lord, what, what was she doing? And I think that Mary had made a choice that she was not going to be preoccupied or overoccupied that she was going to allow Jesus to occupy her. And what I find, and I think the secret of where Mary's at is that no matter where Mary is, when she sees Jesus, she's at his feet. Doesn't matter. She can be serving. She can be, she can be hanging out at somebody's house at a dinner party. Now, let me just tell you, when all of a sudden Jesus shows up, she's there. She's at his feet. We see her three times in the, in the New Testament with, at dinner. She's at his feet. When her brother Lazarus dies, she runs up to Jesus, skids down at his feet. At someone else's dinner party, she she blows in, pours perfume over Jesus' feet and washes them with her hair. Like, she is always at Jesus' feet. I think that Mary understood something that few of us understand. And it's this. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about him. Everything I do is for him. If I serve, it's for him. If I use my gifts, it's for him. It's to glorify him. Because without him, the Bible says, I can do nothing. So Jesus, if I'm going to lead in to the gifts that you've given me, I certainly don't want to do them without you. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me? (laughs) Um. This story, because it's only five verses, it bothers me, maybe it's the Martha in me, because it it doesn't resolve itself. So I'm left with these questions. Like, did did, did Mary ever, you know, get off her sorry butt and and go help? Like, did did that happen? Because I want to know, like, 
Was she like, oh, no, it's okay, Jesus. I'm just going to go help do something. You know, did, I have no idea. Did Martha get it? Like after she was spoken to rather, I think, harshly by Jesus, did Martha understand? Like did she finally grasp it and, 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 and maybe change the way that she was living and serving? I think she got it. And, and I, was, I was reading through this week, and I want to bring you to John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is after this dinner party. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now, if you don't know this, it was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're, you know, brothers and sisters. Lazarus died, was raised from the dead. Um, Where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 2, here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Period. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And as I was reading this, you know, there was probably about 16 people, 15, 16 people at this dinner. Um, and it says that Martha served. No complaints. She just served. And then I love this. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, she didn't bust in and say, Jesus, would you tell my lazy brother Lazarus that he's not dead anymore and his feet still work? Jesus, why don't you tell him, Lazarus, come forth into the kitchen and do some dishes, right? Because, because he seems to not see. He's reclining at the table, right? Like, he's not doing what he should be doing. And I, I, love, I don't know if it's just for me. Jesus kind of threw that in there that he was reclining at the table with him. But I think she got it. I think she finally understood how to use her gift of serving and not get it in the way of being with Jesus. And I think that you know, at times like this, whenever, whenever I've heard this, this message preached, it's always like, don't be like Martha, be like Mary. And usually the temptation on the inside of us, I don't know why, but this, this temptation is, okay, I hear you, Lord. I'm going to call Derry Lynn up on Monday, and I'm going to tell her that I'm quitting serving, <laughs> right? I'm just being honest. No, we don't say that. We say, I'm just going to step down for a season. Because that's the Christian way of saying I'm quitting, which means I'm never going to call you. I'm never going to call you back. <laughs> Why? Because we, we listen to these two things and we think, oh, it's an either or. Either I'm Martha and I'm overworked and over, overoccupied and I'm preoccupied and I'm doing, doing, doing and I'm not glorifying Jesus. Or I quit everything and I sit at the feet of Jesus and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to just bask in his presence all day. Either or. And what I would say is what the Word of God is actually com completely explaining to us is that we need to have Mary's heart and Martha's hands. So the answer isn't to call Derry Lynn and tell her, oh, listen, I, I'm going I'm to have to step down because I'm, I'm overoccupied like the pastor said. It's actually saying in your serving, don't miss Jesus in the midst of it. In your serving, no matter what it is that you're doing, don't miss the presence of Jesus. If you're handing out a coffee, coffee cup to somebody that's brand new coming in, don't miss that Jesus is in the midst of it. If you're wiping, if you're wiping tushes in the nursery, don't miss the Jesus in the midst of it. If you're helping out in the teens, don't miss Jesus in the midst of it. It's not, you just need to step back. Why? Because you're over, you're pre you're over, you're, you need to, no, no, no. It's actually just saying, in all of your serving, don't miss him. 
don't miss him. We need to have Mary's heart and Martha's hands because he appreciates your preparation. But when his presence shows up, don't you dare miss it. Don't you dare miss it. And don't let your expectations ruin your experience with God. I want to read this last scripture to you. This is in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I love in verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's who I'm focused on. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray for those of you who are in here that, are, that, that can totally relate to this, to this whole message in here. You, you, maybe you're preoccupied or overoccupied. You, you, you've missed Jesus in the midst of your serving. If that's just between you and him right now, I just, just, just respond to him. All, all I want you to do is just lift your hand up to him. Just say, God, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I've been serving you. I've been trying. I've been doing. But I'm missing you in the midst of it. Just say, Jesus, I hear you. Lift your hand up. Say, God, I, I'm listening to you right now. I'm hearing you. Lord God, I pray for each and every single one of us in here that is in this place of like, I, Lord, I, 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 I'm getting a little stir crazy. I know that you called me into something new and I'm unsure of what that's supposed to look like, what preparation looks like in there. And I realize, God, that all you want is to just be with me. And so as we lead into this last song, I just want to encourage you, if you raised your hand in here and you said, you know what, God, I'm listening to you and I hear you right now, there's something that I call linger. I just want to encourage you to just linger here as we sing this song. If you want to come up here in the front and just linger in the presence of God because he does, he's, he's less concerned about what you're doing and he's more concerned about that you're doing it with him. If you've got any prayer needs in any area of your life, maybe you came in here and, uh, and you need your leg grown like we heard about earlier. Maybe you came in here and you've got, you've got something going on, your family and your marriage, things that are, that are just, that, that you just don't quite know what to do with. I just want to encourage you to not leave this place without having the opportunity to have someone come alongside and to pray with you, pray God into your situation. Why? Because there's power in prayer. And so as we sing today, I, I just want to encourage you that you would, you would take a step forward out of your seat and say, Jesus, I'm committing myself to you. I take all of the things, the works of my hands, and God, I ask that my heart would be for you, that I would do it wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. God, renew the passion that was once in me again. Call me fresh to that which I'm doing. Lord, we thank you. And so God, as we sing, God, I pray that you would draw each person to yourself, each person to yourself as they make their way. Make your way down here as we sing, as we sing. Let's lift his name up. Let's lift his name up. I got good news this morning. Amen. He's with you. You might have felt like you came to church alone, but you ain't leaving alone. Amen. God is with you this morning. He is for you. And we're going to go out and have a great week in his presence. Amen. If you still need prayer, come on up. We're not done. But if you got to go pick up your kids or whatever else is on your agenda, have a great Sunday.